my favorite thing in FPO is seeing Paige lose. Um, as good as Paige is, she's she's held her reign long enough. Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of The Nest, a disc golf podcast where we'll be diving into the biggest stories in disc golf. Typically, we're going to focus on the pro tour. Uh, I'm your host, Mike, alongside my co-host, Dan. Dan, say hi to the world. Hey everybody. Um, yeah, so we're going to try to give this to you guys once a week. Typically, we're going to try to do Wednesdays to start. We'll see how that goes. Um, a little bit about myself. I've been playing competitively for three or four years. More recently, I've become a TD, so I'm on both sides of the spectrum in the disc golf world. And I also have a disc golf company, Albatross Disc Golf. Yeah, so I'm a little bit of a newer player. I've only been playing for about two years. Um, as soon as I picked it up, I really dived into the disc golf the competitive disc golf scene and i've been doing that ever since so um yeah awesome yeah dan and i every single day talk disc golf and a lot of the times the conversations get pretty entertaining and we've always said you know i feel we feel like people would enjoy the conversation so we decided to make a podcast and hopefully you guys enjoy it so we're gonna get right into the last event the mvp open um just real briefly going through the top five there were some people tied in fourth place uh maddie o calvin heinberg and matt bell and then Eagle and Ricky tied for second. And then taking it down was Adam Hammes in first place. And Adam actually joined, it's just four people, Paul, Ricky, Eagle, and himself. Only four players ever to win a DGPT and an NT in the same year, which is, I was quite surprised when I saw that was the only four people to do it. He averaged 1067. So, I mean, what, what did you think about it? I mean, that's a, that's a really solid win against the whole field. I mean, everybody was there. Um, and 1067 is uh, a really good average rating. I know ratings are um, <laughs> not, you know, they're they're a little bit of a hot topic in themselves. But as for now, I think they do show, especially compared to the field, um, just how well a player shot. And 1067 is really solid. Um, and holding off Eagle and Ricky down the stretch, I think, is uh, very notable. Yeah, I mean, ratings are always strange. It. I think it's important to use them in comparison round to round and tournament to tournament. Sometimes it just seems weird um, looking from like the last tournament, uh, Delaware, I think the winner only averaged like 1040. So it's just, it's, it's just weird. It's hard to compare it, but I do think it's useful. Um, I do think Adam, like I said, joining those other three people, like he's been playing great, especially as of late. Um, You know, Eagle, Eagle averaged 1023 that final round. Uh, we looked at his stats and they weren't terrible. Like his putting, I think D- Dan, I think he putted a hundred from the circle, right? Um, yeah, I, I just it, it was a little lackluster. Um, also, part of that is at the end of the round, he's probably taking some chances he wouldn't normally take. Obviously, the OB on the last hole, so that's a little skewed for the rating. But um, kind of expected more. I mean, he, but he's been playing so well, you can't expect him to play perfect every week. But and and no. No disrespect to Adam, like he definitely deserved the win, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Eagle came off two scorchers where he shot yeah. nine down, eight down, which, um, if not, if it wasn't the hot round, it was tied for the hot round. I think for both of those rounds, and just watching the live coverage, there was a few times he got in the woods in those tight gaps, and you could just see that he was um, not in just maybe his mindset where he's trying to birdie the hole, where he's just worried about getting out the gap and. Uh, I thought that was very evident when he made a few mistakes where you just typically don't see mistakes like that from a player of Eagles caliber. Um, and I think he was trying to battle with that um, that mental game 
and I think he unfortunately just kind of got the best of him, uh, especially at the start. In the middle, he kind of got a, on a birdie streak, but he just wasn't able to catch Adam. Yeah, Eagle's always been an interesting player for me personally because, you know, we all remember what happened when he broke his hand uh, a couple years ago and his mental, like, if you had to ask, if you had to pick the weakest part of his game, at, definitely in years past, I would say it was his mental game for sure. Um, and we've seen huge strides. And we have to remember he's young too. He's a kid. But um, saw, I watched live and, you know, started to see a little bit of those old, you know, not staying in the moment, getting really upset on shots. And it seemed like it kind of carried over to next shots. Obviously, we don't know. We're not in his head. And it's just one round. Obviously, he played great prior. So, like, maybe looking too much into it. But, um, yeah, something to look into, definitely. And um, Eagle's proven, you know, he's playing well at courses this year that he hasn't played well at in the past. So, I think that really is showing his growth. And, obviously, you know, he's you could argue first, second, third, whatever you want to put him. So I think he's fine. It's just, I did, it did remind me of Eagle of past, the way he kind of went about that final round. So we'll just have to see what happens. Um, someone else who also had the same rating final round, 1023, uh, Paul, Paul Macbeth. Um, you know, he was, he started the final round in eighth. I think he ended in like 11th. So didn't make that push, uh, like you would hope he would expect he would. Um, and it's just that question of is, I mean, he's had a great year. Obviously, we we looked at the at the stats, and he's actually second in the money list this year behind Ricky. That doesn't tell the whole story because it's so up and down each tournament, like as far as the prize pools and stuff. So it's not giving the full story, but it does feel like this is kind of a down year for Paul, at least from my perspective. Um, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think I mean parity is at an all time high. Um, so it's not surprising to maybe not see Paul at the top as much, but I feel like if you asked him, he's definitely having a lackluster year. Um, and I think the biggest headline, and he'll tell you, um, the stats will say that he's just not converting inside the circle when he needs to. Uh, currently, he's 83% from circle one, which is 36, which if you're a top three player in the world, you can't afford to have a stat that crucial, um, that low on the list, on the ranking list. So. I think uh, it's just mental for him, and I think next year he's going to have a fire for sure just to bounce back from this year, and uh, I think that C1 percentage will go up. Yeah, 83%. I mean, that's – I mean, it's bad. It's just that's that's what it is. If we're talking about a top five, even top ten player, like, you know, obviously you can't compare player to player all the time, but Eagle is 90% in the circle right now, 89 or 90 um, tied for first. I mean, you you just can't. Th- that makes a huge difference. I mean, that seven percent. That's that's giving up strokes, and um, strokes, yeah. it it's not. You know, in years past, it's not something that's plagued him really ever before. Um, when looking back, like the last two three years, I mean, he's been right around the eighty seven to eighty eight eighty nine percent for the whole season, and obviously those seasons. We're better than this season and and yeah it's hard to tell with the sport growing as fast as it is like the parody obviously is making it tough i mean comparing it to regular golf right so if you if you have a season like paul's in terms of finishing top 10 nearly every tournament winning a few tournaments you're probably the best player on tour by far like that's a great year but disc golf is still young enough where you know you 
want to be the best, you kind of have to rattle off three, four wins, especially like quality tier wins. And, and Paul's just not really doing that. Um, from the outside looking, I'm sure if they didn't really know who Paul was, they'd be like, wow, this is a fantastic year. But when we're expecting Paul to, to win these events, um, it's just, it's just kind of surprising, you know, I think it is mental, but to see arguably the best player in the world having such mental struggles with something as simple for these top players, a circle one putting, it's it's just it's pretty surprising. And uh, you know, I I again I don't want to I don't want to make this too much. I'm a huge golf fan, and I don't want to make it too much comparable. But like I think of someone like Rory McIlroy, who arguably is like the best golfer talent wise, striking wise, and. He a few years ago he won a bunch of majors. He played amazing, and since then he just couldn't putt. And it's something that seems like if you're a top player, it's something you could just fix. And maybe it isn't, but Rory hasn't, and so it's one of those things. I don't know if it's something Paul will get back or won't get back, but I don't know. Time will tell, I guess. For sure. Um. Yeah. Did you have anything else for the men? Um. I, I wanted to just you know Matty O personally. Um. Man, he he's an enigma. Because he's like never around early in the year. I, for those that don't know, he plays um, down south in non-sanctioned tournaments a lot, um, non-PDGA sanctioned. They have their own sanctioning, and he just crushes it. Like he wins everything, um, yeah. and it's cool to see him actually come back to the tour. Not come back, but come play in the tour, and he's just finishing quality every year, every every uh, tournament. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about the top 10, the Udisk top 10 in a little bit, but I think they have him at 7th right now, and there could be an argument he should be higher. I mean, he seems to be, it, it. you know, obviously this leg of the tour is more wooded, but which is his strength, but I mean, there's something to be said. I mean, he's right there every tournament lately. Yeah, I think, I think Matty is one of those guys that, especially when he shows up, kind of like uh, Chris Dickerson, when he's there, you, Chris Dickerson, not so much this year, unfortunately, but... Matteo's a guy that when he's there, you expect him to be at the um, top 10 and maybe even gunning for a victory. So, Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and then with the FBO, um, we had tied for fifth, Tiger Borth and Missy Gannon. Haley King was in fourth. Paige Pierce took third. Kona had a solid outing in second. And taking it down was Katrina Allen, averaging Ooh. 993. Yeah, go Katrina. Uh, won this event nine years ago. Uh, in her interview before the tournament, she said she had a feeling this was it. She was this was her time, and she called her shot. She won it. Um, uh, back-to-back events for her after Delaware, and obviously she looked fantastic. Yeah. This, I mean, Maple Hill's not a course you can show up and have an off day, or a player of not the top level can win. So, um, for Katrina to come out and. I know a lot of people are clinging on to the Paige Pierce best player in the world, and she's well-deserved for that position. But, you know, Katrina's not letting that define who she is as a player, and I think that's just awesome to see her come out and um, dethrone Paige Pierce at a course where Paige has a pretty solid track record here at Maple Hill. Yeah. And she, uh, she came and balled out, which was awesome. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Um, okay, so the next thing, and we're going to try to do this most weeks. Um, sometimes we'll have a lot to say. Sometimes we might not have anything, but... We're going to go through the top 10, uh, the U-Disc top 10s, uh, see, talk about what we like, what we don't like, and maybe kind of debate that a little bit. So right now, uh, it looks like for the men, Andrew Marby's in 10th, followed by Kevin Jones, Chris Dickerson, Matteo in 7th, Kyle Klein in 6th, 
Uh, Adam Hammes jumped up nine spots after this week to fifth. Calvin's in fourth. And then the top three, I mean, everyone knows who the top three is. It just depends what order. Paul, Ricky, and Eagle. Um, obviously, the biggest, I think the two biggest talking points are probably just Adam Hammes bump, bumping up from 14th all the way to fifth. And I would maybe say, you know, those two prodigy guys who just, well, there's three in a row, actually, seven, eight, nine with Kevin, but. Matteo, I maybe feel like could be higher. And then, unfortunately, I love Chris, but and we could talk more about it. I think eighth might be a little generous. Um, what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think uh, the five, five, six, seven spot. I mean, they could you could throw them in a cup, shake it up, and pour <laughs> it out, and wherever, whatever way it landed, uh, would be just fine. Um, Chris Dickerson, like you said, is just kind of having a down year and. I think a part of that is because he's not on tour full time and he's very selective about the courses he comes and plays, which is good for him financially, I'm sure. But um, as a player of his caliber, missing out on some of the big tour spots like that, um, sometimes your name can be forgotten. Um, but even when he has played his, is I mean, it's just not what you typically see at a Chris Dickerson. Yeah. Just the fact that when he shows up, you expect him um, to be winning. And unfortunately, the last... Uh, it looks like three events he's finished outside the top 10. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that's a perfect way to say that because in years past, as we know, Chris doesn't do the full tour typically, and he kind of handpicks those events, whether it's convenience or whether it's tournaments he thinks he's going to do really well in. And I think because of that, like you said, whenever Chris is in an event, it's kind of just a given that he's going to be up at the top. And he's had good finishes, obviously, this year, but... Um, I think you said three events in a row outside the top 10. And and if he's in the event, that's just, it's extremely surprising. And, um, you know, it's, it's easy for me to say maybe he's a little overrated at eight, but uh, who would you put above him, I guess? Um, As we look further down the list, you know, I always said Kevin at nine, Andrew Marweed at 10th. And then, I mean, James maybe. um, Oh, and also Kale, Kale hadn't been on the U-Disc, Kale LaVisca. Hadn't been on the U-Disc ratings. Uh, he hadn't played enough Pro Tour events, I think, was the issue. And he is on the list. His first time on the list, he's at 13th right now. But, I mean, like I said, as you go down this list, like I guess there isn't really anyone that I would jump at that would go higher. So maybe it's deserved. Um, I feel it, it seems like, and it'd be curi- I'd be curious to know exactly kind of how these numbers are formulated, and I'm sure it's a very complex formula, but... It seems very recency biased, um, you know, jumping nine spots from one win. Um, maybe it's maybe it's okay, like maybe it's deserved, but it seems a little high for me to have Adam jump up that high after one event. But that being said, he's had a great year too. I just, like you said, five, six, seven could go in any order probably. So I, I don't hate it. I just thought it was interesting. Um, the one other thing is when do we start talking about Paul dropping below Calvin? I know those top four have kind of mixed a little bit, but I mean, is that a real conversation we should be having that Paul should be slipping down that a little bit? This shouldn't be having any bias. This should be doing strictly by numbers. So like, it's very easy to leave, you know, those top guys, you know, oh, they're having a bad week, oh, bad month, whatever, and leave them higher. But if this is just purely numbers, then apparently he still deserves to be at three. But what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the last finishes for Calvin. He's had tied for fourth, tied for fourth, tied for third, and then um, yeah. the uh, co-victory at Ledgestone. So 
I mean, that's a pretty solid last four events. Uh, granted, Delaware didn't quite have the full field um, and couldn't go head-to-head -head with Paul, but um, looking at Paul's, his is just not as strong as um, Calvin's is. And uh, he's just kind of fluctuating over the year, uh, 11th, 7th, and 18th at Ledgestone, where Calvin uh, tied for first. So, And that's where it's kind of strange to me that it seems so recent in like heavily weighted on recent events like with adam bumping up but recent events it seems like calvin in my opinion if you were just unbiasedly looking at the last you know month or two that he would be above paul so it's just it seems like it's depends on the situation almost which is curious but i'm sure i'm sure there's a reason behind it it should be interesting to see how it plays out for the rest of the year for sure. um if if i would have showed you this top 10 before the year started what what would be your biggest like wow like I'm surprised by this, or or wouldn't believe it. I'll start off with the positives first. I think Adam Hammes and Kyle Klein. I think those were two players, and even more so Adam. I think he had a big um, kind of weight on his shoulders to really come out and perform this season. Yep. And I think I think he did that, and he's um, shaking up the game for sure. And then Kyle Klein is a young player where everyone knew he had it, but going out there and doing that week in and week out is another thing. Um, and him coming out and do that and earning his title as the third crush boy, I think is awesome to see and see him. And when you look at those, um, names in the top five, like, you know, they should be there and that's, um, that's evident. Um, mm -hmm. but to see players like Chris Dickerson, Kevin Jones fall out, fall down that far and KJ more so than Chris, but have just a really shaky year. It seems like, um, he's had a few solid finishes, um, but as of recently, kind of been struggling. And um, that's just not something you see from Kevin. And I don't know what that may be. Maybe just having some timing issues or um, not as much time on, in on the course. But, yeah, it's weird to see Kevin um, be that shaky. For sure. Yeah, one thing I'm really excited. I agree with you. I, I would have said the same thing. Um, one thing I'm excited for is hopefully, you know, we keep saying next year, hopefully so-and-so, but to get those – and we'll talk about FPO in a second here, and that's probably even more relevant. It is more relevant, but having those international players come over and, and see how much that mixes things up because, you know, especially, you know, how the, we know how the rating system works. If you don't have top guys there, the, the ratings seem to be lower, and just that's just the way it is. So who we don't have no idea how good these guys are overseas, Like, and we're not really going to know until they're faced up against our top dogs here in the United States. So I, I think that's going to be really exciting. So if we go over to the FPO... Um, uh, so Tiger jumped up 44 spots to 10th place to take that 10th spot. We got Heidi Lane, uh, Sarah Holcomb, Haley King, Missy Gannon. We got Henna, Katrina, Evelina, uh, Kristen Tatar, and then rounding out is Paige in first still. So big moves, like I said, Tiger jumping 44 spots, which is pretty crazy. And yeah, and just and not to be um, Kona also jumped 11 to 11th so she wasn't 22nd and her big finish this week got her up to 11th but um nothing really mo moving much um Kristen and Evelina switched spots um I know Dan has something to say about that um and then Katrina and Henna switched spots as well so Katrina Katrina getting the win just moved up one spot to fourth and that top three is hard top three to crack into so it kind of makes sense but yeah what do you think Dan yeah, I think everyone is probably where they should be. Um, I do think 
uh, Tiger, I'm like we said, we don't know how this system works exactly, but I was looking at finishes from Tiger, and other than this top five, she, I mean, tied for 35th, tied for 20th, so not looking, I mean, it's solid as a touring professional, but Kona, I mean, she's been on tour all yeah. year, and she's had way more solid finishes, <clears> even <throat> as of recently, so... I'm really not sure how that works. Um, I don't know what the math is. I'm, it's got to be based on math, but it's just kind of weird to see Kona outside the top 10. And uh, honestly, if you ask me at any given time, is Kona a top 10 FPO player? I'm probably going to say yes right. 100% of the time. So, yeah. And as you mentioned, Evelina at three uh, under Kristen and Paige. And um, as Mike knows, I'm a huge Evelina fan. And unfortunately, she uh, cannot put the putter inside the basket from... Uh, any further away than 15 feet, which is unfortunate, and that plagues a lot of players, especially, um, uh, yeah, just a lot of players. And so uh, when she's putting good, uh, I I think she's the number one player in the world. Yeah, I agree. And um, it seems, I mean, we looked at her stats. Um, obviously, I would say putting has never been her best thing ever, no. um, but she's good enough that it didn't really matter um, until recently where it, She's really been struggling. I mean, I would go as far as to say she has, you know, the yips or, you know, yeah. it's it's not just a bad week anymore. Like there's something going on and um it sucks to see that. And like you said, I mean, when she's when she's putting good enough, she's she's beating everybody. So, yeah. um she's mentioned it. I know after um the championships overseas, um there was the, the end of I think it was the third round. If they they play three or four rounds, end end of the second to last round, and then the beginning of the last round, it was it was abysmal. Um, she had like a four putt all within like you know fifteen twenty feet. It, it was it was hard to watch, and she mentioned it on Instagram on her social media that you know it how her frustration how it was extremely difficult to to deal with. Um, just because. You know, you just, you do something for so long and then all of a sudden it's gone. So she was expressing frustration and rightly so. So, I mean, I I just hope to see her back to where she was. So, so, I mean, she's exciting to watch and having her at the top is always exciting. So I hope she figured it out. But yeah, no, um, we have some big events coming up. I'm sure this top 10 is going to switch around for both MPO and FPO. One thing about FPO, or I just wanted to say um, with MPO, I'm looking at it and as far as like the dominance index, it's a pretty pretty gradual decrease. Um, as you go down the list, the top three guys have a little bit of a gap on Calvin, which again is kind of surprising in my opinion. But um, FPO, it's so Paige has sixty six, Kristen has fifty six, Evelina has fifty four, and then it's a almost twenty point drop to Katrina and the rest of the field. So it's very steep. Um, I don't know what Katrina would even have to do to break into that as far as numbers wise, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see that big of a, and, and I think it makes sense. Um, you know, it the, the top three is pretty much stead, steadfast, but yeah, kind of something interesting. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess other relevant topics we can get into. Um, one of which Dan and I were talking a lot about is Paul... Macbeth is not going to be playing in the match play event, the the major that the PDGA has decided to declare it. Um, he is going to be playing the battle at Bedford instead, it looks like. Um, also, Drew Gibson is not playing. I'm not sure if he's playing something else or not, but I saw he's not. Um, 
they had to reset the brackets with those two guys not playing. But yeah, what do you think about Paul not playing in it? Yeah, um, I'm not surprised just because, you know, Paul is a player that he he likes things done correctly and professionally. <laughs> and when it's not done that way, he's not afraid to let you know. And I, I think he's very professional and respectful. So he never comes out uh, in the public and bashes on anyone or um, any of the professional associations trying to grow our sport. But I think him not playing and going to play a small local B tier, I would assume it's a B tier. Um, just a small local B tier, I think, is a testament to how um, probably upset he is with how this event is being ran and how it's been decided it's it was a major before it was even told to the players, which right. is absurd. Um, so I think, yeah, it's just a testament to how <laughs> probably him among a lot of the other players, that's how they're feeling about it. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, um... I mean, he is going to play the Battle of Bedford. Obviously, that has some grip lock um, connections, which he's a part of. So it makes – yeah, foundation, rather. Sorry. Um, and it's a it's a pretty big tournament. I mean, it is a – I think yeah, it is a B tier. 122 players in open. Like, it's a, it's a pretty big tournament. Um, but obviously, it's not in comparison to the match play. Like, that's, that's the premier event for the week. Um, do you think I don't want to get too far into it because we are going to be talking about the match play and making it a major a little bit later? But um, Paul has been known to kind of not play events or to make a stance in that way. Do you think that's enough? Does the does the casual or further than casual, but the guy who follows along who is important to the ecosystem, is he knowing why Paul's not playing? Like, should Paul be taking it a step further and making statements about these things, or is not playing enough? That's a good question. Um, I think it's getting closer to where someone like Paul can come out and on social media, maybe in podcasts and interviews, and make it be known where he stands very, very um, definitively and through speech. Um, but before, when you had when you have players where their contracts are pretty small and a lot of it just gets them by on tour and maybe with an extra little bit of cash in their pocket where you couldn't afford to come out and say things that right. might make people, um, you know, look away from you. And, um, you know, Paul just signed a big deal. And I think he's won the hearts of most of uh, disc golf, the most of the disc golf scene. So I think it's getting close to a point where Paul can come out and say stuff like that. But if you're looking at a player like, uh, you know, a smaller player like Emerson Keith or uh, Kyle Klein, like you, you really can't come out and say those things and yeah. um, lose fans or lose the support of um, a company because yeah. you, you wouldn't be able to tour at that point. So. I agree. Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree. I think that disc golf is still young enough. Contracts aren't big enough for players to really stick their neck out on things like that. Um, Paul being obviously the exception, probably – maybe the only exception right now. I mean, we obviously don't know other people's contracts. There's some other people who are doing just fine and probably could if they wanted to. Um, but I think Paul, and it's not for me or anyone else to say what Paul is responsible to do, but I do think with him having that relationship and having that contract and having that peace of mind, I guess, where um, he kind of needs to step into that ambassador role. I think that's just kind of the way it is. And um, I think we'll see it. He's doing. He's not afraid to say things. I think. I think he's just very strategic about it. And um, it was pretty evident that we're, players were a little bit upset about the match play. But yeah, I mean, and similarly, like for example, Page and Eagle 
from what we can see, both bo boycotted the Delaware challenge um, for slightly different reasons, but the same reason um, at the PDGA, Eagle boycotting because, as we all know, he was very unhappy with how Worlds was ran. Uh, if you remember, he put on his social medias the out-of-bounds issues where, for those that don't know, in the middle, after after the term had already started, I don't recall if it had been one or two rounds already played, um, they added uh, OB lines, additional OB lines to the, to the course without really, they told them, but didn't really give details on where, when, and so there were discs that would have been inbounds the day before that were out-of-bounds the next day. And Eagle, rightly so, was very upset about that um, and other things about the about Worlds. And then Paige um, for women's, U U.S. women's, correct? Yeah. Um, she, she and she was, you know, we we're talking about people who aren't afraid to say something. Paige, Paige doesn't seem to be afraid to say anything because Paige made it clear um, that she wasn't a fan of how much attention the U.S. women's was getting over in uh, California and how I believe they played four courses four events four courses which right. yeah that's a whole other topic but um yeah. and it was really and you know if she would have just said those things and maybe i guess i'd be curious if she would have said what she said and the pdga would have been open and willing to hear it and maybe just said sorry or hey that's even not say sorry just be like that's something we'll definitely look into in the future no, or something not. but instead what happened was she got bashed by uh, one or two members of the PDGA, um, the social media acted not like a professional sanctioning company. And it was just a strange situation. Um, so yeah, I think we're at a situation where players are going to start doing that. And it just kind of is going to be interesting to see if if the governing bodies, whether it's the PDGA or the Disc Golf Pro Tour, care. If, you know, is one player important enough? Um you know, it's hard to say. Uh, I don't think. Do you. If. Would more people watch the Delaware Challenge if Eagle had played it? I mean, if he's in contention, I would say yeah. Um, I yeah. know the numbers were down for the Delaware Challenge, so. Um, is that because well, Eagle? Is that because of multiple players? Like, obviously, we don't know, but. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, final round, uh, the Delaware Challenge was right around 7,000 viewers on YouTube, which is. Typically, you see that in double digits for right. most final rounds. Yeah. Um, and that could be just because some of the players in contention, where Conor O'Reilly ended up taking it down, but you typically don't see his name. So you, that could be um, something that plays into it. But not having Paul or Eagle there, um, kind of not really, but it kind of makes you feel uh, the event is just a little bit less prestigious yeah. in a way. Yep. Um, so whether they're not there because they had a wedding that weekend or they're not there because they're making a stand against the PDGA. Right. Um, I think that's kind of irrelevant, but when you, when you go to watch this and um, consume it as a, a fan, them not being there for whatever reason it is um, makes it feel less prestigious. So if, if that's a common theme, if uh, you know, players like Paul Eagle, and maybe even you start to see um, more players, if they don't show up to these NTs, uh, it's just gonna, um, increase that feeling and the pdga or even the disc golf pro tour is going to have to start doing things about that yeah for sure i agree yeah um okay so the next thing we're going to we're going to try to do this every week something kind of fun um we're going to pick one debate topic sometimes two uh and we're going to randomly have to pick a side so there's some of these topics we both agree on some that we don't agree on 
but we're not going to get a choice on what side we're on. Um, the one we're going to do this week is, as we mentioned before, making the match play event a major. So basically the just the decision, the PDGA's decision to kind of just, hey, everybody, this is a major. Like that's just, we're just deciding this. So I have two cards here. I have agreeing with the PDGA to make it a major and disagreeing. So I have them in my hand right now. Dan, pick right or left. Boy. <laughs> left. Left. Okay, so Dan, you have to do that it's a bad thing. Okay. So and I can see yeah. Dan breathing a sigh of relief because we are, you know, actually, I'm not going to say it. We're just going to have yeah. this conversation. It doesn't matter who, who what thinks. So just quickly, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but um, Dan, I'll let you go first. A uh, couple minutes on why you think it's a bad idea, and then I will show you why you're wrong. Okay, I'm ready. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, just to start it off, I'll take a nice quote from Paul Uliberry. Um, <laughs> I remember him. I love this quote, and I, I remember <laughs> listening to it on Smashbox. It made me laugh. Um, he was talking about the people. He said, like, who who created this? Who thought this was okay? Like, these guys in the PDGA all get in a room, and they're all looking at each other like, man, we need people to start watching more disc golf. So what do we do? <laughs> Let's, oh, we've, we've done like a bracket thing in the past with the finality, f finale, and that works really well. But maybe maybe we're like thinking about match play. Like, you know, like a lot of like amateur events do that, and that works pretty well for that, pretty good for them. And, and then they all looked at each other and stopped. And one goes, man, we should just do it at the same time. And not not just at an amateur level, but let's take this to the the highest level that disc golf offers and make it a national tour, where players have never ever practiced a format like this. Um, and if you wanted to do something like this for an all-star event, that would be awesome, and it would be so enjoyable to watch. And I'm honestly, I'm sure it will be enjoyable to watch. But as a professional player, when you know thousands and thousands thousands of dollars are on the line uh it just if it, it would feel um just upsetting especially for me and i know a lot of the other players feel the same way to um just be thrown out there with a, a, a setting they never played before and just uh, yeah it just feels uh tossed together and not well thought out and just a little i don't know if childish is the right word but um, feels like something you go out on Sunday to a weekly league and they you show up <laughs> and they tell you how to play and then you do it, not not to go out there and play for a national tour status and thousands of dollars. So, yeah. Okay. Um, you made some okay points, but um, you're wrong, and I'll tell you why. So, okay. Disc Golf needs this event. It, you know, it's one of those things where yeah, it's great to see four, three, four event or three or four rounds of traditional boring stroke play, and it's just, but it's it's played out. Like we all know how that goes. People are, you know, think of think of an event where someone wins by like twelve strokes, ten strokes, and you don't even the the last round's not even worth watching. It doesn't even matter. Like why why even have it at that point? Whereas match play. You know, this is going to give an opportunity that you can have the the worst player in the field go against that best player, and on any given day they can beat them because it's just one hole. That's all that matters, one hole, and then the next, and it's going to be way more exciting. Um, you know, sure, 
disc golf <laughs> disc golf views might be up right now and the the game might be growing but it's not it's it's it, we need something different so this is pretty hard <laughs> um listen okay so we need to see that some players just aren't cut out for stroke play you know it's it's a long tournament but you know there might be players who on any given day on one round are better than eagle mcmahon better than paul Macbeth. but because you know maybe they just aren't conditioned the same way like we need something that shows on any given round who's the best player and that's what match play will do it'll be exciting um people will be interested in it it's going to grow our our audience it's going to bring in outside sponsors and uh, match play is super exciting in regular golf, and sure they don't have a major that's match play, um, but you know we're not golf, so we can do what we want. And Dan, I think you won this debate. Yeah, um, you know, you you went out there and you lied a little bit, and you guys said it with a smile, and you did your part. But if we do stuff like this, we're gonna have our boy Thomas Gilbert, who unfortunately just kind of snuck by the first two rounds and then popped off with the 1084 rated last round, which is great for him, but yeah, well done. he win the event. No, listen, but, uh, I, I, you know, I wish maybe looking back on this, we should have picked something that I feel like is even debatable on both sides. Cause this just isn't, um, first off, you know, it's, it's just interesting, you know, and granted, this is the pro tour we're talking about. It's the pro, it's the highest level. And they have the means necessary to make events great right away. And I understand that. But you can't have an A tier without being a B tier for five years, you know, multiple years, and proving that you're a good event and that it, it's a course that makes sense and all this stuff. And and to just, you know, golf, golf didn't just make an event. Like, golf didn't make an event last year and go, hey, this is another major. Like, you don't make majors. Majors become majors. Like, they become prestigious. If I asked you the top prestigious tournaments in disc golf, you would give me USDGC, you'd give me Worlds, you'd give me probably European Open. And then, yeah, like maybe we don't have that fourth major, but that's okay. Like we can either not have four majors, that's okay. Or there's plenty of very, we just had maybe the most non-major prestigious event on tour. Like name a more prestigious, prestigious tournament than MVP Open. Like it's... It's been there forever. Anyone can win it, but it takes a great player to win it. And yep. it's just like, it, it just, to have this new, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, it might yeah. be a fluke. It might be just a joke. And just to like, imagine if, I, I'm not, imagine if Dan goes and wins this because it's just like a fluke. doesn't make a lot of sense. For Dan to be able to say he's won a major, like, it just, we don't know what's going to happen. It just doesn't make sense to to throw this as a major. I, it's just another example of not listening to the players, not not even not listening, not really caring what the players want, you know. And to, it just seems like a, a grab. And I'm not sure what it's grabbing because I don't know who is anyone excited. I mean, I'm excited to watch it in the sense that like I don't know what's going to happen and it's new and like pretty unique. But I don't want my majors to be new and unique. I want them to be like the events of the year, you know. And if Go you ahead. have, if you have, arguably, if you have arguably your best player and not arguably your most popular player, deciding to skip it to go play in a B tier, like you need to reevaluate. 
Um, and I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I think having a match play event during the year is awesome. I think that's a great idea. And I don't even, I mean, if it's on on D, Disc Golf Pro Tour, I, I think that's fine. Like, I think that's great. But to make it into this thing that it's not, just it just doesn't, I, the decisions being made there just don't make a lot of sense. So um, we're going to we're gonna do debate topics every week. And again, uh, we just really wanted to do that one. Um, but put in the comments a uh, debate you want to see or, you know, we're going to look at different places on social media to find good debates. And hopefully we'll get one that ideally we actually do disagree on and maybe we'll have a, a pretty heated debate on it because Dan and I can get pretty heated sometimes. So mm -hmm. it'll be good TV. Um, so rounding out, we're just going to go into the next event, which is uh, Green Mountain. Smuggler's Notch and Fox Run Meadows, obviously. Talking about prestigious events, you know, you could argue it's more prestigious MVP. You know, it kind of depends who you ask, probably. Um, last year, for the men, Kevin Jones won by four strokes. Uh, had a great tournament. It was his, it was kind of that tournament that ramped him into, like, that strong finish in the year where he won this, and then he won the, the finale for the Pro Tour, obviously. Um, and then for the women... It was a story of Paige and Haley King just destroying the field. Um, Paige won, Haley got second, but they both, third place was over 10 strokes behind. So this is a course that favors, um, for the women, distance, and obviously that's why Paige and Haley were up there. Um, it'll be interesting to see if anyone else can kind of sniff it. Obviously Katrina's playing really well right now, so um, maybe she, I think she got fourth last year, but again, I mean, it might have well been 30th. It was like by like 15 strokes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, who do you, who do you look at? Let's go to the men first. Um, who are you looking at to maybe take this down or be surprising? I mean, yeah, you look at the top 10 and obviously you can obviously, or you can take the top players, um, Eagle, Ricky, Paul, Calvin, and they're always there and they're always going to make a runny, but make a run for their money. But as a, like a surprising, I think, I think Matty O's someone where, they can um this is a course that suits him or both the courses actually this is one of those unique ones why i think you have two courses that complement each other really well and you have distance um but you also um get to go in the woods and test that so you have people like a james conrad matt orham um even kyle klein where they can go out and bomb with the best of them but when they they feel comfortable in the woods and um throw really nice tight lines so um, yeah, I think James Conrad, Matty O got a good run at this, and I'd like to see, um, I love James and Matty O, but Matty O hasn't won a Pro Tour event. I think it'd be awesome right. to see him come out and win something like GMC. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Matty O, I, if I remember right, I, I don't know if it was I, on a podcast, it was maybe on Nick and Matt's show, he seemed hesitant, I could be wrong, but he seemed hesitant to play this event, um, I think he said we'll see with kind of like a laugh. Like, seemed like there's an inside joke going on. Um, he is signed up. He does look like he's going to play. Um, everyone's here, you know, all the top guys, which is obviously encouraging. I think it's going to be a great event. Um, James, James is great at this course in the past. I think he he's had a very solid year. Obviously, anytime you you win worlds, you can just call it a good year, right? But. Um, great year. I think that he will be someone who'll be up towards the top. I'm really excited to see Adam, um, Adam Hammes, see if he can continue his hot streak. Um, and one person I, I am looking forward to or hoping for is, is for Kevin, for Kevin Jones. Um, this was a big event for him. This was like a turning point in the year for him last year. And um, 
it's a course that fits him pretty well and kind of hope to see him get that that monkey off his back this year for this one yeah um go real ahead. quick calvin heimberg um I think when he was younger coming up in the scene, they had worlds actually out here. And that's the first time he ever like touched the spotlight at a world championship. I think he might've been either on lead or chase card. I mean, he just came out and torched these courses. So uh, even though he is fourth rated player in the world right now, um, and you expect him to be there, um, I think it would be nice to see him come out and take a solo victory after Ledgestone. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I, you, we can look at the top 10 all we want, but if you had to ask me somebody, if I, if I had to pick someone any given week to be in the top three, I'm probably just going to pick Calvin. Um, I mean, he he's, hasn't gotten worse than fourth since July. Like, he he's always there. It's just a matter of can he, can he just take that one extra step to, to finish it. And, and it's, you know, it's one of those things, like, I, I know I've heard some people kind of question, like, his – that final drive, like the foot on the pedal, like just to finish out tournaments. And I think he has it. I think, I think we don't see it because he's very calm and collective. I mean, that's just his, his mentality, but, um, yeah, I think any tournament, it's going to be easy to say Calvin. And that's why we don't really want to, I mean, we could do our top three or our top five and it's just going to be hard if we're being real and honest about it to have, the, not the normal top three or four guys, so we want to look towards you know who are those surprising guys that can maybe make a make a jump. So yeah, um, Danny, do you have anything else on on the men? No. So if we get into the women, obviously, I think for me it's just pretty simple. It's can anybody can anybody beat Paige at this place? I mean, this would be the time to do it. I think she's not really at the top of her game right now sharpness wise Katrina's obviously playing really well but um you know and it's a new tournament last year's a long time ago but to, for them to win by that much like it's it's hard seeing anyone else winning this event for me yeah I mean I'd love to see Haley King come out and win um my favorite thing in FPO is seeing Paige lose um <laughs> as good as Paige is she's she's held her reign long enough and I think there I think there's some players in FPO that um, have what it's ta- have what it takes. I mean, that could be Kona Panis, Haley King, um, Manahano sisters. Like, yeah, there's a lot of FPO players um, that can come out and ball out on any given week. And GMC is one of those events. If if Paige isn't playing too hot, it'll show. And um, so I think I think this year especially, it's it's not going to be a ten stroke win. Yeah. I think it's going to be tight with probably you know three to six players or so so yeah i think you know it's easy to it's easy to see it in the men because it's so drastic and so different from years past of the um just how how many different people can win any given week but i there's something to be said for the women maybe even more so as far as comparing the years past just because it was just Paige, Paige and katrina like if Paige had a bad week katrina would just win and all year you know i mean they're still winning a lot of events don't get me wrong but there's other names that are making these runs week in and week out. And I think, you know, for as young as the game is, you could say the women's game is still even at a like earlier spot where more women are starting to realize that they can take this golf seriously and have it be something worth doing. And especially, you know, we look overseas and I think this tournament will be a good indicator of how much the women's game has grown even in the last year, because I agree with you. I do think that it's going to be closer than last year and it's going to, it's going to show just 
how much closer, how tight the women's game is compared to before. So, yeah, I would agree. We're going to say that, and Paige is going to come out and beat the field by right. 20 strokes. And she might, but, you know. And and let me, disclaimer, um, I don't think Dan has a, a vendetta against Paige Pierce. Um, I don't think. he. Maybe he can correct me. But, uh, you know, it is nice to see other people win, and it's nice to see competitive rounds. I mean, no one wants to pop into the women's feed and see, oh, Paige is winning by 30. Like, we want to see good disc golf by everybody. And it's always exciting when there's an actual tournament to be won, you know. So, yeah. yeah. But, all right, guys, I think that's going to be it for the first episode. Um, let us know how we did. Uh, give us suggestions. Give us some debate topics. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace out, guys.